0: the nigerian group so hello to them we miss them very much and i'm missing my own husband this morning and praying that they are um that god's doing good things while greg is there so let's pray and just um begin to just ready our hearts father thank you so much for this day for god that this is the day you say in the psalms that the lord has made let us rejoice and be glad in it thank you for the worship That we got to experience, God, some heavy, heavy words that were sung as we spoke of allowing you to burn us with the refiner's fire. Oh, Lord, let us not take that lightly. God, we are here for you. We're here to hear from you. And I I just ask, Holy Spirit, that you... Release through the seed of the word this morning your wisdom, revelation, the spiritual epiphanies needed to take the seed deep down into the soil of our hearts and produce what you want to produce. I pray for each heart listening that will be listening in the future that they would surrender their will and their yes which is what allows the soil to be cultivated. That they would just say yes to what you want to say and that you would just do great and mighty things through that. We just ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. I didn't make up a slide um, but if I did it would have said how to overcome. Um, The Lord's just been having me hang out on one particular verse and but then a couple days ago he did something interesting that I'm going to kind of superimpose two verses on top of one another that goes beautifully together and I, I remember I think I was I don't remember where I was walking I was just like walking outside or driving or something and I said huh thank you Lord that's pretty cool that that they really go on top of one another. The first verse comes from Revelation 12, and I want to invite you to not just hear my words of the verses and the scriptures that I'm giving, but really look it up, look for yourself. Be a Berean even as I'm speaking this morning, and um, there will be some on the screen. I'll tell you what translation I'm going through, but... But I need for you to look it up for you because it's interesting. You get a double, even the way your brain, physical brain works, you get a double impact of what is being said when you're both looking at it and hearing it at the same time. And so I really want you to get this. And I just pray that it'll be, I, I, I'm just sharing with you my secret place experiences with the Lord this week. And um, I'm excited about what he's going to show you. Now we know Revelation 12 is where we see um, the, uh, the accuser of the brethren in verse 10, 12, 10, that he's, um, that's where we, we get the, that Satan is the accuser. And again, being willing to go before the presence of God just to accuse us over and over again. He's constantly, constantly accusing us. That is the very definition of why, of why we deal with oppression is because we're just constantly getting um, accused. And if you've ever had accusations brought against you, rightly or wrongly, it's painful. It's painful to have something, um, to be accused of something, but certainly to be accused of something falsely. Um, So we see that in verse 10. But in verse 11, that's the first verse that I want to superimpose. Revelation 12, 12, 12. Excuse me, 12-11, and then we're going to go actually to John fourteen six. But it says, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved their lives not unto death. Now, quickly go back over to John fourteen six, And you're going to see these two verses on top of each other. John 14, chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus said, said unto him, saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I hope you know that verse. I I remember learning that in Iwana when I was growing up. And uh, the Holy Spirit is is allowing the um, supernatural retention of some of the verses that I learned and I humanly forgot. You don't necessarily ever forget. It might just be packed way back in there, but God can always bring it out. So teach your children, teach your grandchildren, teach your nieces and nephews, teach them when they're young. Um, as much as possible and god will bring them out but these two verses are really cool because he was just showing me this whole journey of a battle that we're in and how to overcome and they overcame him in revelation the accuser of the brother they overcame their accuser by the three things the blood of the lamb which equates to Jesus said, I am the way. So you've got three points. The blood of the Lamb is the way. The word of their testimony. Jesus said, I am the truth. And that they love their lives, not unto death. Jesus said, I am the life. He is the life that is the real life in the spirit realm. So I'm going to kind of break these these down and just look at... I've got to tell you, there is... Um, there's really almost no need to have points. second point. <laughs> we, over, we overcome because of the blood of the Lamb, because of what Jesus paid for. And I'm not going to tell you any new concepts, but I hope to bring you back to the basics. I was speaking with somebody recently, and I, I often use this when the Lord gives this to me, that when anybody's struggling, just in general, and they get flooded, their minds get flooded with, Doubts, or with um, maybe even God begins to say, "Okay, you're ready now to be taken higher." And I'm going to show you something new. You know what we've been experiencing? Greg's been preaching on is this idea of the courts, and it just it blows you away. The concept of the courts, that the certain courts that there are, even though Scripture clearly tells us that that God is the Elohim creator of all things. Okay, the heavens and the earth the heavens. What's in the heavens though is what we don't always know and he's beginning to unfold. Realms, thrones, courts, all these different levels that are uh, have all different spiritual authorities and the things that we really wrestle against which we know from Ephesians 6.12. But as he blows our minds with these things sometimes you, you can get when you're stretched you're so hanging out there in faith because one of the things that is what believes and what ha- has faith is our hearts. Your your mind will always fight against faith. Your intellect will always fight against faith. That's why you see in the Word of God, He's not interested in sharpening your intellect. In fact, if anything, you can delight when you begin to know and learn new things. But that's one of the things that was the problem with the Pharisees. They were so um, focused and passionate about becoming intellectual about all the the doctrines and theologies and things of the law but yet their hearts were cold and, and in Romans 10 we, we know that it's the heart that believes unto righteousness it's not the, the mind the mind is a great feeder to the heart so we need to have a renewed mind we need to have renewed thoughts because that will feed our heart but, uh, but your heart is what you decide to believe in when you accept Christ of course apart from him it's deceitful, wicked Desperately, above all things, you know, Jeremiah 17, 9, it's it's desperately wicked. But then the blood of the Lamb washes it clean. And then our hearts believe. But when you get flooded with this this doubt, um, I always tell people, go back to the basics of, do you believe that Jesus died, that he rose again, and that that gives you the offer of salvation? When you have enough of a measure of faith, which is given to each person, to believe that Jesus died and that you're saved and you know you're going to heaven, that's a great place to start. The rest of it, build from there. And I got to tell you, there is nothing about my intellect that understands salvation. When you really, when you really break it down, it's like that is a by faith decision. I do not understand how a guy that was tortured and died a terrible death rose again. That that has anything to do with me and a decision that I make because I want to have a better life in whatever afterlife there might be. You know what I mean? Like there's, your mind cannot conceive of it because it's a faith choice. It's a faith choice. But then there can be such a knowing that you know that you know, and um, what Jesus paid for is the ultimate of what. We overcome with. And so I want to just give you a couple of scriptures on this. Colossians 2. There's just so many about salvation. We know John 3.16. God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever believes on him will not perish but have everlasting life. I hope you learned that from either the moment you were saved or as a child because that is a a really amazing powerful verse. But look at Colossians 2. Colossians 2 is one of my particular favorites. It's one in what I would call um, in my arsenal of response to the enemy when he tries to mess with me and tell me my life is different than what I know it to be, and that uh, that I am somehow not going to be an overcomer. This is this is what I what I give him. So in verse in chapter two, Colossians two. Verse 13, and um, in the New Living, even if I'm in the New Living, because it has updates, it may not match the screen, so we can do do King James and the New Living. But it says, in verse 13, you were dead because of your sins, and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away, then God made you alive with Christ. This is that salvation experience. He forgave all your sins. Verse 14, he canceled the record that contains the charges against us. He took it and destroyed it by nailing it to Christ's cross. And in this, verse 15, in this way, God disarms the evil rulers and authorities, these realms that Satan's kingdom lives in that try to come and accuse you that we just read about in Revelation. He shamed them. Jesus, God through Jesus, shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross of Christ. Now in the King James in verse 15, Fifteen, it says, "And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it." So, I mean, that that just is—that's everything. That's in Jesus' name, Amen. Go enjoy your lunch. (laughs) You know, (laughs) that's it. What else? What more can you say? It is everything. He made a, a, an open show of it. So God displayed the victory that he invited us into, the overcoming power. He just displayed it openly and, and triumphed. But I love that it, he's saying here, and this, these are little words sometimes that have to just have this this um, awakening within us. He spoiled principalities and powers. So what did he do? We really <laughs> want to look at it this way through the lens of the courts that he's given us. He gave us access to the realm of the accuser that comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he's given us access to have victory over it. Not only for ourselves, but for corporate bodies, for nations, for the world. That is exciting, that is exciting. And these three points that are superimposed upon each other, they overcame, why? Because of the blood of the lamb, because Jesus said, I am the way, The way. I gave you the way. Okay, that encompasses everything. And one other verse I'll give you that's just so. There's so many. There's so many for the blood of the Lamb. But I love in in, um, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18. Now, we know some of these. That that the old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Um, but But verse 18 of 2 Corinthians 5 talks about being reconciled to him. So he took what we couldn't have done on our own. He paid, he paid the charge against us and then reconciled us unto himself. And all we have to do is say yes. He will not usurp our will. And the only reason he gives us free will is so that there can be a true love relationship exchange. That's awesome. That's so awesome. But the second way that we overcome is through the word of our testimony. And this is where Jesus says, I am the truth. And I will tell you, this is where we get tripped up a lot. There is so much overcoming power with the truth. Um, I want to encourage you, because I had to put it on in terms of the shoe fitting. If the shoe fits that the Holy Spirit is offering you, please put it on, which means that no matter how difficult, how challenging, that you will receive it. Um, Shannon taught the ladies this morning, and she mentioned at the beginning that the what God had revealed to her to share to the ladies was uh, also a hard word for her. And it was interesting how she worded it. She said her, her mind immediately wanted to kind of block it and just kind of become callous to it. Have you ever, have you ever started to hear a word and, and you, you literally, it was in your consciousness to just kind of go, Oh, yeah, no, I'm not ready for that one. I'm just not. You might be right, but I'm just not sure I'm, you know. Because, see, words, and this is why the word of God is called a seed. When a seed is planted, it's, it's intent, Everything needed to become the fruit, to become the plant, is contained in the seed. So it is, it is meant to go forth to actually produce something. And so that's why sometimes there's a resistance. Because you know that it's not about you just not hearing. If you could just hear, you could hear. But when you're really listening and not just hearing, it will require something on your part the word that you're being exposed to this morning, there will be something required from you. You're not going to be able to say that you never heard this. There will be a requirement of a response. That's what the Word of God does. And so often we almost want like to bask in our ignorance, but in that ignorance what we don't understand is that there is no neutral ground. There is no neutrality. You're either... For or against the Lord you're either you cannot serve God and mammon in the sense of you have to make a choice there's a line in the sand you're either with going with the Lord or you're reverting back into your flesh which is all at war against God's plan and then you become susceptible to the enemy so it's so it, it be you, and then and he loves it when you're deceived and thinking that and you know, I'm just going to chill I'm just going to wait um, because then you're greater prey for him but this This charge of Jesus saying, I am the truth. um, I want to look at a couple of scriptures that have to do with this. I love um, the word of their testimony speaks to declarations. We've been hearing a lot about this from Lana and different um, prophets that have been speaking of it. But really, it goes all the way back. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13 is actually Paul speaking of something in reference to a previous word that's actually from Psalm 116.10. Um, but in 2 Corinthians 4, um, verse 13, he's saying, having, and in this I'm in the King James, he says, we having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore I have spoken. According as it is written, by the way, he's saying, As it's been written before by the psalmist in Psalm 116, okay? Because this was written. And that chapter, that whole chapter in Psalm 116, is a psalm about overcoming, overcoming death and overcoming a struggle. But he's saying here, I believed, therefore I have spoken. So Paul is saying, we also believe and therefore speak. There is real power in speaking out, in declaring truth. And the word of their testimony you know you might be people that that maybe are new christians or struggling may have the mindset of okay but i don't don't really have a testimony. i'm not really sure what god's done for me whenever you feel that way why don't you start with just why don't you just let your testimony be a testifying of just who god is first how about just who god is and who God is will get you in the right mind You know, when I, I, I'm really big on teaching my girl's scripture, um, and, and Brooke even went a step further and all the translation I taught her. She's relearning everything in a new translation. <laughs> I'm hearing these scriptures that I taught her when she was younger, now coming out in, in different translations, which is awesome, because that means she's, she's dug into it and wanted it to be palatable to her mind. But I teach these scriptures, and one of the ones that I love, that uh, Yvonne and I go over often is Psalm 8. O oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. And it goes on to just, Who has set thy glory above the heavens, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. The whole thing unfolds as just everything, the fowl of the air, the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. Oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name. It's a short chapter. That's not the whole chapter, but but it's a it's a place to start. Testify and prophesy who God is. When you do that, there is a release. There is a there is a release of truth that actually goes out of your mouth into your mind that begins to solidify, almost like building bricks in your in your in your mind to truth that will insulate you from the enemy's lies. And um, I want to mention to you a couple things about the mind that's really amazing. Um, I often talk about 2 Corinthians 10. And we know 2 Corinthians 10.5 is casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, I've said several times. But strongholds are actually built through a series of thought patterns that we often we give place to. And then the spirit realm that seeks to feed off of those thought patterns and try to build bad strongholds, they, they become, um, if your thought patterns get off of what God intends for them to be and they're not rooted in truth, they become places of trust, either in God or places of mistrust. And you can begin to build walls and strongholds that... You know, you, you want to build the the stronghold of the Lord, not the stronghold of, of the enemy. And in this particular chapter, it's saying that the strongholds of the enemy are torn down through Jesus, through the tearing down of strongholds. Jesus is the one. He, he breaks that down. And um, I'm just, we've been talking so much about the mind and thoughts in the ladies' class. And I just... I want to encourage you to do, I, I told on to even do an art um, picture of it, but a Philippians 4.8, telling you all the things to think on, whatsoever of things are pure and lovely and true. Fix your mind on these thoughts because what you feed on will be what sustains you. And if you don't think you were designed to feed on anything, then you're deceived. Your very makeup, your very nature... Your very person was created with a void. We were created for relationship, for fellowship, but we were created in Isaiah. It says for God's glory, for the glory of God. So we, we do hunger and thirst for something. There is no such thing as, well, I'm just good. I just don't really hunger and thirst for anything. No, you do hunger and thirst for something. It's just what will it be that sustains you? And you see all these human realm parallels to the spirit realm parallels, which is like, when Jesus said that he's the bread of life, the bread of life is the word that he gives, the manna and the children, for the children of Israel when they came out. That was their daily sustenance. It was a supernatural uh, impartation of who he was to them to sustain them. And um, in the famous Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. Why did he say it that way? Why was there a reference to bread and to eating? It's because every day, no matter how full you get today at lunch, you're going to be hungry again. And what you feed on, you know, the world and the diet world always says you are what you eat. That couldn't be more true in the spirit world. You are what you feed on. And what you feed on, the truth that you feed on, is what is going to come out of your mouth. And it's, it's taken me so long to learn this lesson that what I speak, what I declare, is such a big part of the overcoming victory that I have. Even when you feel like God's done nothing for you, which is not true, you go back, go back to just who he is. And by the way, that will straighten you out to recognize that when you see who he is, you see then what he's done for you. Um, There's a little, um, it's in a condensed piece of paper that I often use. I wonder if I have it with me. I might not, but it's it's this paper, yeah, I think it's in... I often pray this, but it's just, it came, I, I Xeroxed it actually out of a book that talks about prayer, but it lists in a real concise way all the names of God. You know, we know Jehovah Rapha as the Lord, our healer, Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, our, um, our banner, I believe it is. Uh, there, there are so many different ones, but Jehovah Jireh, um, Jehovah Jireh is the Lord, our provider, the Lord who provides. And what I love about that paper is it tells you immediately where that is found in Scripture. And that one in particular is the point in Scripture where God reveals, he he manifests a part of his nature that's very significant. That's where you see that name revealed. He has multiple names because there are points in Scripture where he reveals who he is. Um, Like when he revealed um, to... uh, um, Hagar, um, and she tried to run away from you know the punishment that she was receiving from, from Sarah and, and just you know going through all that and the Lord stopped her and and He showed her He was the God who sees her the God who sees and I believe that one is who knows the names of God who's the Lord the God who sees Elroy Elroy El-Elroy. yeah um, then Jehovah Jireh though is where uh, Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac. And what did God do? He provided a lamb. That was was where we find and we discover that he was Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that provides. He provided a way out. So when you start to see, when you begin to worship who he is, it literally releases what he's done for you upon you. And then all of a sudden, you have a testimony of the truth of where you are with God and who he is and what he means to you. Um, Wendy shared yesterday in the gifts meeting about the, um, the girl that she had prayed for, the Lord woke her up to pray over, and she went literally from a state of just death to being revived and, and healed. A miraculous situation, and the Lord made it so clear to Wendy to make sure that that girl knows to speak out what God has done, begin to declare and tell people what God did. You know that every time you testify about what God has done, not just testify testify about your own circumstances or what you've overcome. Some people's testimonies sound like truth, but they're not. They're a glorification of just a, a weathering of a storm that they don't really attribute to God. When you really bring, bring glory to God in the testimonies of what you of what you uh, that god has done for you you literally it, it is an overcoming power and revelation 22 i believe it's i'll give you the exact scripture if you don't know it um it's uh revelation 20 i want to make sure i get you this right one um i think there's a testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. No, it is in Revelation 19 verse 10. The the last part of that verse it says, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Testimonies about what Jesus does gives other people the opportunity to have the miraculous of what God does and what he is and who he is and what he's done for people to be prophetically released into their lives. But it's true of our own life. Uh, I was walking with a friend this week that that the Lord just gives me the opportunity to kind of pour into. And I had no idea that it would be, that pouring into her would would be a blessing to me. She was telling me the story about getting a, a new vehicle and how God just she said, God just knew the weight and the burden that this was on me. I've never bought a car ever for myself uh, alone. My husband always did it, or my dad always did it, and you know, her husband passed away, and so now she's buying one for herself. And God just did such a miracle. He brought her to the it was the right time. It was, it was great weather. God just allowed it to be so easy. She met just the right salesperson. It, it had everything she needed, all the bells and whistles. It was right within her budget, and she just drove away with the car. It was beautiful. And she just was testifying the goodness of God and how loving he was in that in that time where she's still mourning the loss of her husband and yet was able to accomplish what was, for her, a huge, insurmountable task. And I just thought, wow, what an encouragement. How often do you just decide to worship God and testify and speak out? The word of your testimony will give you overcoming power. That is why. And it will prophetically release more of that into your life when you speak it out. Such an important thing. That's why negativity... Have you ever just been in an atmosphere where somebody just started injecting a bunch of negativity, downcast anxiety, weariness, and you're just like, who sucked all the air out of the room? Like, what happened? Like, this is... It's an oppressive atmosphere. It's because words have weight. Our words... You know, there there is a lie of the enemy that, especially in young people that is this um, this feeling of, of that idle words don't matter I can just go on and on and on. I can just vomit out things on Facebook I can just talk and aimlessly we will give an account for every word that is spoken that can be a heavy a heavy burden to bear unless you're just flowing in the Holy Spirit and letting him renew and transform your mind and then what comes out of your mind is, or your mouth is basically what Paul said I believed I believed Therefore, I speak. And you won't have to bear the burden of of those idle words, but be careful because what you speak, when you think about God actually spoke the world into existence, It, it wasn't there. Everything we know of, that we look around with our human eyes, that we see, that It didn't exist before God spoke the beginning of it all into existence. If that doesn't tell you right away, and then he made us in his likeness and in his image, that shows you the weight of our words. Words, the power of life and death is in the tongue, Scripture says. You can literally speak death. There are some kids that have, have been abused growing up that have said, I would rather have gotten beaten once in a while or even on a regular basis than to have heard the words of rejection, belittling, and just horrible things come out of my parents' mouth about how worthless I am and how much they wish I was never born and how useless I am. That hurt me. That cut into my, my the core of my being. Whereas wounds from a rod will heal. How how sad that we don't take seriously our words and yet don't know that on the flip side of that, how powerful our words are to help us overcome. And, you know, we get caught in these cultural, these realities of, that are under the domain of the prince of the power of the air that cause us just to get into these therapies and these groups and these things that are all like, well, just, just unload everything and it'll be cathartic. There's like a little bit of truth in that because you, you're supposed to be transparent and you're supposed to James 5.16 your life, confess your faults one to another that ye may be healed. There's a, there's a part of that, but Satan takes a, a truth and then twists it into just, just speak and just speak and just speak. And it even seeps into our prayer, where we literally go to prayer, and all we do is we unload and we dump all of our burdens out. And Jesus said, No, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, but then I will give you rest when you'll receive it. Begin to give it to me, but acknowledge me, In who I am. And that's what's going to make your burden easy in life. And that's also why we see in Philippians when it says, be anxious for nothing. Don't be worried about anything. But in everything, okay, with prayer, supplication, thanksgiving. He's saying thanksgiving. Thanksgiving for what? You know, you can look at that and go, well, thanksgiving for what? I mean, I'm coming to God because I've got a problem. Thank him for who he is. And all of a sudden, you'll be in this alignment of, okay, now I'm coming to you from a place of, of truth. And truth is, if there's one thing that is the greatest barometer, greatest measure of how much overcoming power you have and how much um, freedom from bondage that you have, it is, is how much truth that you're walking in. Truth, walking in truth and walking in freedom are going to be directly linked. I mean, that, that's really how you're going to tell. I mean, when you see a person really free, you see a person walking in truth. There's nothing that keeps you in bondage more than walking in lies. So if you, if you see somebody just really free, like, yeah, I, 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 I was burdened by that. I, I was into that. I'm, I'm free of that. I'm free of that mindset. I'm free of anxiety. I'm free of depression. It's because they're walking in truth. Um, I want to read something for you that was just a beautiful testimony from a woman that I um, um, speak with often—not not here in our church, but it was—it uh, was such an encouraging thing. She just sent this out to different people, different friends, and she was making a declaration. Listen to this: because of what Jesus has done in her life, after years of therapies and all kinds of. Remedies suggested to her by this, in this realm, and then she has this awesome revelation. She says, I have been set free, free of sin and shame, free of anger and fear. God has healed me. Having been diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder and clinical depression for more than 50 years and prescribed countless medications, My new psychiatrist is going to hear (laughs) about how I have been set free. And I will be asking her to cut my medications with the goal of ending them as soon as possible. God has healed me. I will no longer accept the devil's lies that I need antidepressants to live. God has given me the peace that passes all understanding. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever just as he healed the multitudes when he walked on this earth. He has healed me out of the depression so severe, I could not get out of bed, get dressed, leave my house, or get myself to church on Sunday, or keep any commitments to meet with people. Instead, I hid in my house. I hid from my friends, even from my very own family. Very few even knew what was happening behind my doors. But I have been set free I am no longer hiding. God has given me a pure heart. He washed away the shameful, promiscuous sins of my past, and I am no longer ashamed. I have been forgiven. I no longer need to live in fear. God has freed me. What a testimony. What a testimony. I think what's interesting about what God did in her sending that out She is taking the nature and the power of God and by her voice of her testimony is prophetically releasing upon others. And God can do the same for you. It wasn't about her. There wasn't anything about her in there except what God did for her. It was about God. It was about his glory, about his glory. So they overcame him by the blood of the lamb because he is the way. They overcame him by the word of their testimony because he is the truth. And the last one is a tough one. And they loved not their life unto death. That's a hard one. Jesus said, I am the life. He is the life. I read an old commentary about just that particular verse um, in Revelation that we read, 12, um, twelve eleven and the commentator said they their love to their own lives was overcome by stronger affections to another nature what a beautiful thing we all have a survival mechanism in us you know you hear about these amazing stories where a guy's trapped and because he might die you know he he saws off his own arm and you know like i mean like Crazy stories of survival, how people made it and they they lived, they had this will to live. It's not saying that you overcome by just not caring about your life anymore. It's saying that they overcame because they cared not about the limitations of the human part of their life that is but for a moment. It is a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. That's the part of our life. I, I love this illustration, and I may have said this to you before. Somebody had this, this illustration, this, um, this visual. They had this huge, long rope that was several feet long. And at the end of this rope, it was a white rope, and at the end of the rope, they dipped it into a one-inch dip of red paint. And they said, your life, your actual life, is consistent on this, this rope. It just goes on forever and ever you're the human part of your life the life in this realm the opportunity to have faith because you don't, you're not exposed to your supernatural self in the spirit the spirit realm is the part that's represented by the paint and when you look at that compared to the feet and feet and feet long it's like wow okay, we really are here it's like a flash in the pan the older ones of us understand life is short more uh, it's more easy to, to learn that when you're older than it, than it is when you're young and you feel like, I've got my whole life ahead of you. Life goes by very quickly. And understanding what your real reality is and loving not everything of this life is going to be the key to overcoming. There are many, uh, we know in 1 John 2, verse 15, which I love, I do want you to look at 1 John 2. I, I'm so in love with 1st, 2nd, 3rd John it's just hard to narrow down the scripture I'm probably going to I contradict myself because I say I love this chapter and then I love hanging out in Ephesians and that's just like a just a cool place to soak it's like a bubble bath of 1st John 2.15 though is something that we probably know that we know that we know but look at it again I have it in King James here love not the world neither the things that are in the world if any man loved the world, the love of the Father, the true love of the Father, is not actually in him, active in him. For all that is in the world, verse 16, the next verse, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And, verse 17, and the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, But he that doeth the will of God, abideth forever. Now, In the same, I'm going to just do the New Living on that. Um, I love what it says here. It says, stop, in verse 15, stop loving this evil world and all that it offers you. For when you love the world, this world, you show that you don't really have the love of the Father in you. It's, It's not allowed to take over because you can't split your affections. In verse 16 it says, for the world offers only, and some of you know this, from your own experience. It only offers the lust for the physical pleasure, the lust for everything we see and the pride in our possessions. These are not from the Father. There's something about a lust that is, the very essence of lust is that it absolutely cannot be satisfied. That's why there is no such thing as someone who gets into pornography or gets into drugs just staying at a certain Status quo, and Greg talked about that a little bit last week. That there are gateways. The the very nature, you know, of Satan is that he he wants to devour. He doesn't just want to mess with you and derail you a little bit. His his ultimate goal is to completely devour. The steal, kill, destroy of John 10:10, which is I love that verse so much because it contrasts that. But God comes to give life and give it abundantly. But we are, um, we're not to be ignorant of the power of these things. And, of course, we know in Colossians 3, verse 2, it says, set your affection on things above, not on the things of the earth. Um, I will tell you, though, there's a wonderful preacher that uh, I listen to often, just an amazing man, um, and uh, I listen to different ones, and, and it's a kind of a, recurring thing that I hear in a lot of different preachers evangelists and one thing though that he says is um he doesn't like to be devil focused he doesn't pay a lot of attention to you know to the devil and, and uh you know but when he gets in the way he said but I you know I just when he gets in, in my way I just get rid of him you know that's what I do you know I mean sometimes you gotta something comes in and you just gotta get rid of it and that's true that's true in theory we, we ought to be absolutely focused first and foremost on the Lord Jesus Christ The only thing I struggle with when when people say things like that is, okay, so he just comes in, then you just get rid of him. Overcoming power. The word of God gives us how. How do you get rid of him? When he's relentlessly knocking at your door. God doesn't just leave us hanging without a strategy. There is a strategy that the enemy has to come against us. We are not to be ignorant of his devices. He has a strategy to, to hit us with fiery darts very strategically. Don't you think? First of all, there's no way that he would have a strategy and that God would not have a strategy for overcoming. Satan can do nothing of his own. He is a created being of God, Lucifer, that turned away. So whatever power... Satan wields whatever ways he works is only a counterfeit of the power that exists originally with God. So, God has a strategy for us, and He wants us to know how do we walk out. Yes, He offers us freedom, but He invites us into an an ongoing knowing of how to walk in victory, how to take the verses that we just know I can do all things through Christ, I'm more than a conqueror. Okay, how? That is why he's taught us in the courts how to get forgiveness of sin, how to take the accusation, agree with our accuser quickly. Once we get that forgiveness, First John 1, 9, because he's just to forgive us, then we now, in that purity, in that place of righteousness before the Father, we now have authority to tread on snakes and scorpions that Jesus gave to all who believed, by the way, not just the apostles at that time. Not just the disciples, but to all who believe, he said, Jesus said. And to be able to now cast that, to cast it, second Corinthians ten five. It's like he's given us a strategy in his word, a pathway of how to walk out that overcoming power. Now he's he's formed a beautiful way to have support in the church by having a court team. But we really are going before the courts. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise, Psalm one hundred. He's given us access to that All the, every time we pray. But we better not be ignorant of Satan's devices. And when he comes knocking at our door, there is a way to break free. There is freedom. And it is in knowing the truth. And it is not just in ignoring the evil. Yes, we are to be wise to those things that are good and simple to those things that are evil. I know that, but that doesn't say ignorant. When Paul is saying that, um, that we need to... Be more wise to what God does. But in who God is, we learn the power that he had. Why would he need to tell me all that he did, shaming the enemy, if we're not to know anything about what the enemy did? The enemy has a plan. And the, the overcoming blood of Jesus, the overcoming declaration of speaking out the truth through the word of my testimony, and then the absolute surrender of loving not my life unto death. Is that overcoming power? But in that, we also have that authority. Um, the uh, the Colossians. Let's let's just look at that. Just look at Colossians with me, because ah, just so good. There's just so many. I gotta like narrow down in my mind because I don't wanna wanna give you a few, but not too crazy. Um, Colossians three. When we no, that's not where I'm going to take you. I changed my mind. That's such a great one. Write that down. That's really good. Um, I'm going to take you to one for the for the little bit of time that we have left here. I want to take you to, to First Chronicles. This one just was so beautiful. David, at the end of his um, his life, he is giving this charge to Solomon and I just tell you this just made me weep I just David's instructions to Solomon he summons this is in 1st Chronicles chapter 28 David is summoning all of his officials to Jerusalem and um, the leaders of the tribes the commanders the of the 12 army divisions all the other generals the captains the overseers of the royal property of livestock the palace officials I mean there was a group okay so he's giving Solomon, these instructions. And starting at verse 9, I want to just, it's just, it's so beautiful. Uh, I'm going to be a little bit back and forth in the New Living. Um, I'll start to the King James and New Living. I'll start with King James on verse 9. David says to him, And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou, know thou the God of thy father. In, In the New Living, it says, Get to know, get to know. God of your ancestors. And serve with him a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all the hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. Take heed now, for the Lord has chosen thee. To build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. I'm going to go back to New Living, verse 9. And Solomon, my son, David is saying, Get to know the God of your ancestors. Worship and serve him with your whole heart and with a willing mind. It may be slightly different there. For the Lord sees every heart and understands and knows every plan and thought. If you seek him, you will find him. So David's imparting the, the nature and character of God. He's like, I'm telling you, you seek him, you're going to find him. but be willing, get to know who he is. But if you forsake him, uh, the, the accuser's going to devour you, quite frankly. And then as a righteous judge, he'll have no choice but to reject you forever. So in verse 10 he says, take this seriously. The Lord has chosen you to build a temple as his sanctuary. Be strong and do the work. I would say that's the charge to each of us today in Ignition. Each of the bride, everyone has been chosen to do a work. God has given each of us a work to do. And we have to know who God is. We have to know you can't even take these overcoming steps of the, the blood of the lamb being the way, the word of their testimony being the truth, and the loving not your, your life unto death being the, the life of God that, that, we, that we trust, the life of Jesus. You can't even apply that in principle without knowing who God is. Open yourself up and know him. One thing that hit me that was so amazing when I I just was thinking about all the the Hall of Famers, you know, Hebrews 11, by faith Joseph, by faith Abraham, by faith Sarah. And Abraham, one thing that that Scripture will do, if you're only living by principles, it will trip you up every time if you try to live with principles extracting the experiential relationship with Jesus. And the reason it will trip you up is because one thing that people often don't see, they 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 put together and connect doctrines and theology to try to see that it doesn't contradict itself, which it doesn't. But it can trip you up in your own life. Think about how Abraham might have felt, knowing God, knowing who he is, and having him promise these great promises waited, he waited, he made mistakes, but you're going to have a son, you, you know, you're as good as dead, Hebrews 11 says, um, and yet he produced his son. So after the promise, then the voice of God comes to him again and says, okay, I need you to take him up to the, to the hill, build a sacrifice, and I need you to kill him. I need you to slit his throat. How well do you have to know God to know that that is still his voice? When you've heard nothing like that ever come out of him before. You know, if if you get stuck on just certain principles, well, God, you know, because I I just hear it time and time again, well, God would never say that. God would never do that. God would never. God would never. Do you know him? Do you know him? Do you know that you know him? We've got to know him. We've got to know him through his word. Don't know him this way without also knowing him in his word. They are the same. This is his breath imprint they've got to be this has got to always line up always but so often we we misunderstand the principles because we don't have the relational part of it this is only this gives us insights into so much more of god why does it say in the word that even the very ministry of jesus the, the their books could not even contain all that he was, all that he did. Because there's so much more. It is not limited to just this print, but yet it encompasses and will, this will be the foundation. But there's so much more. You have to experience him to know that. But he'll always surprise you. He's beginning in these last days. And it, it, he says in the Gospel of John, in the last days he's going to pour out his spirit. He's going to reveal things that he's not revealed before. You, we've got to really know him. We got to know him and know what he's saying, even if it's unorthodox, and even if it feels like it's different. And that's a really scary statement because immediately people go, "Okay, now you're saying crazy talk." Okay, no, 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 no. We don't. We don't just need to be going doing crazy things and then saying that it's God. That's so interesting how we're real quick to be defensive that that's not God, rather than going to the victory, the, the source, the testing of spirits uh, instruction that he even gives us in the word, the testing of the spirits God has told us to do many things, thank goodness he hasn't told Greg to lay naked on his side for a year and uh, you know, cook food over dog poop, you know I'm like, okay, there's a whole lot of, cra- you know, people say oh God would never say that, to you. God would never have a prophet do that, mm. you know but we need to know, we need to know his word but know his voice, and I'll tell you Jesus said, my sheep know my voice, okay? They know me. They know my voice. When you get to know who he is, we will obey him because we know his voice. Um, obeying him just in the print, apart from the relationship. See, he, he's inviting us into an entire overcoming experience in relationship. I, don't, I could tell you, I could read countless books about marriage. I mean, just read it, and read it, and read it. I could even watch it in people around me. You just don't know the dynamic, truly, of a marriage exchange and all that it entails until you're married. There's just something about walking in it and knowing it and knowing what it requires and the sacrifice and the love that you get from it and the, all that it encompasses. You have to experience it. To fully understand it, and so these three points. Um, even though I'm a big fan of a three-point outline thing, so God knew I'd have a real, real heyday with these verses. Like, ooh, and then He superimposes two three-point outlines on top of each other. It's like it's a party. This is awesome, but it's just not. It, it's so much more than that. It's so much more than that. He is. He's saying, look, I've got something so beautiful, and the only way you're going to overcome is knowing what I paid for. Knowing the truth of who I am and who I made you to be. Because what I love about you is what I created you to be. We even limit God's love by saying, but God, look at me. He's like, honey, I love what I created. I, I made you to be Christ in you. So I'm, I don't look at you through the lens of where you're tripped up. I look at you through the lens of what I created you to be. And it's so beautiful. And it's so you're moving forward. And as you as you die to the old self. And let me renew and transform you. You're going to be all that I created you to be. And it's awesome. And then, don't love this life. This isn't even the real reality. Because I have not seen, nor ear heard, nor have it even entered into your heart, the things that I have planned for you. And not just on the other side in glory. But right now, you have no idea what this means. You have no idea what this relationship will bring you. It's like, wow. So... Solomon was told to know. And, and, and this would be my declaration for ignition before I close here. If you turn the page, well, if you have a page, unless you're doing electronically, in that same chapter, wow, this was just the best praise, and I, I just want this to be the mindset of ignition. And I'll try not to cry, because it just means so much to me. In 1 Chronicles 29, starting in verse 12. So it's basically the end of First Chronicles. He says, riches and honor, I'm just going to read New Living and it may be slightly different, but riches and honor come from you. He's talking to God. For you rule over everything. David is, is de- making this declaration as he passes the torch to his son Solomon. Power and might are in your hand and it is at your discretion that the people are made great and given strength. Oh, our God, we thank you and we praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have has come from you. And we give you only what you have already given us. We are here for only a moment. Visitors and strangers in the land as our ancestors were before us. Our days on earth are like a shadow, gone so soon without a trace. Oh, Lord, our God, even these materials that we have gathered to build a temple to honor your holy name come from you. It all belongs to you. I know, my God, that you examine our hearts and rejoice when you have found integrity there. You know I have done all this with good motives. And I have watched your people offer their gifts willingly and joyously. O Lord, the God of our ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, make your people always want to obey you. See to it that their love for you never changes. Give my son Solomon the wholehearted desire. That is my prayer for my girls. Give my son Solomon the wholehearted desire to obey all your commands, decrees, and principles, and to build this temple for which I have made all these preparations. Then David said to the whole assembly, the big group of people, give praise to the Lord your God. And the entire assembly praised the Lord, the God of their ancestors, and they bowed low and knelt before the Lord and the king. And I wrote in my Bible right here that this must, must be the mindset of ignition. It must be. Everything we have is from the Lord. Everything we are, God gave it, so how can we not give it back to him? him. He He's given us a path to overcome. He's given us the authority to crush what comes against to try to overcome us of Satan's kingdom. Praise his name. The controversial thing I would say that is hard for me to hear as we close in prayer is You cannot, cannot, cannot be downcast, be worried, be anxious, be sad, be feeling condemnation. You can't be dealing with any of that stuff when you are truly in the presence of the Lord and receiving what he gives you. None of that exists. So when it comes knocking on our door, take these two verses, get back to that place of truth, and let those things fall away. Because... He is our overcoming power. Praise his name. Let's just pray. Father, thank you, God. Thank you so much for who you are. Thank you, God, that like we sang earlier, I never knew I could feel this way. I never knew I could have a friend like you. You invite us into relationship. That, that as we as we give you lordship of our life, we also get friendship. How is that possible? God, you are so good. You are so mighty. But you are so holy. Let us die to everything of ourselves. God, let us know what the blood of the Lamb paid for. The way. God, let us speak out our praise, our worship, and declare what you have done. Even if we are choking on the words initially on a tough day. And God, let us recognize that the draw of our real reality, our real life in you, is greater than loving this temporary life that's but a shadow of things to come, so that we can walk in overcoming power, Lord. You have given us, you've given us a mission, like Solomon, to build this remnant, and all that it entails. God, let us be up to this task to just be vessels through which you can flow because it's just all about you getting the honor and the glory. And like Brooke shared her vision earlier, the people are going to just come and come and come to you, God. But many, Lord, are about to experience tremendous turmoil. They will be, spiritually speaking, running in circles screaming out, the sky is falling. They will need a place to know that there's hope. You are our hope. Let us walk, Lord. Let us walk in overcoming power because we have the truth so that we can share it with these people that need to know. They need their lives pointed to you so that they are not overcome by the enemy's agenda to steal, kill, and destroy their lives. So, God, I pray that you just reignite the flame. Let us burn, burn for you, burn for you, God. And in that burning, let that refiner's fire take the dross up and scrape it off. Oh, those surgeries are painful but beautiful, God. We need you, God. We need you. I pray this for the team in Nigeria. God, let them just be excited. That even though apart from you we can do nothing, we can do all things, everything you've called us to do through Christ Jesus who gives us strength. Thank you, God. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.